Hi, I'm Julia Ferlin, and here are four stories you need to know about today. Omarosa Manigault Newman, the former reality TV star turned political aide to President Trump, will be leaving her position in the Trump administration. We have BuzzFeed News reporter Darren Sands here to tell us a little bit more about what we've learned about her departure. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the press secretary, said that Omarosa is resigning her position to, quote, pursue other opportunities. But it seems like from reports out of the White House that it may have been a little bit more dramatic than that. Can you speak to that a little bit, Darren? Yeah. April Ryan reported yesterday that there was a sort of a fight between General John Kelly and Omarosa. And um, Omarosa had asked to speak to the president about her exit. And John Kelly didn't allow that. Um, And apparently, I guess there was a whole thing where she tried to get into the residence and Secret Service escorted her out. Damn. Wow. Okay. Darren, you've been reporting on this for a while also, and it seems like things have been tense for a minute. They have. um, I think really around Charlottesville. Um, Mm. Omarosa had gotten really, really kind of annoyed with how the press was treating that in, in, in the media, and she didn't know exactly how to address some of these questions as the only black person in the room a lot of times. Mm. And so I think that become that became a little burdensome for her, and she was really kind of uncertain how that fit into her role at the White House. And so she, was, she wasn't sure how to deal with it. A lot of people in the White House didn't want to talk about race, right? Yeah, it it wasn't a a giant priority for people inside the administration. You heard a lot of times when some of these stories would pop up Mm -hmm. that there was a lot of anxiety in the White House because this was not something that they prioritized at all. It wasn't something that was very important to them. And so for it to take an outsized role in sort of the day-to-day operations of the White House and how it's run and them wanting to undo Obamacare, and for instance, and wanting to do the tax bill, mm-hmm. the idea that they were dealing with uh, you know, NFL players protesting was something that they didn't really like a whole lot because it just took up too much space. Omarosa was Trump's most visible black ally in the White House and beyond. I mean, she's been in the Trump inner circle for since 2004, since they were on The Apprentice together. Mm-hmm. What does it mean that she's leaving now and leaving on such bad terms, it seems? Well, it's interesting because in Washington, right, there are people who really depend on her presence in the White House. There are people who call her all the time and try to get time with the president and try to get their policy initiatives um, to her. That's really one way to get to Trump is to get Mm. through Omarosa. There are other people who, as I reported in my story uh, back in March, uh, the big feature we did on her that really don't care all that much about her. They, They feel that she was way too divisive. And they thought that she was just like very a figure that wasn't the right person for this role. The other side of that race question is like people want to like say that she's this villain and stuff like that. But like at the end of the day, she still does see herself as a black woman. And a lot of these issues to see them played out in the national story, really, with her boss as the background of it. It was difficult. And, you know, no matter what you think of her as a person, it's something that I think you have to take into account in terms of her wanting to, you know, um, not wanting to do the job anymore. Well, thank you so much, Darren. I really appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks. On Tuesday, Doug Jones became the first Democrat in 25 years to win a Senate seat in Alabama. He beat Republican Roy Moore, who was backed by Trump and the RNC, 
and who has been plagued by accusations that he had inappropriate sexual relations with many underage girls. We have political editor Catherine Miller here to tell us a little bit about what happened and what she thinks all of this means. Catherine, how surprised should we be that Jones was able to beat Moore in a state like Alabama? We should be pretty surprised. It's very unusual for a Democrat to win in a state as red as Alabama. And you may have heard that it's been 25 years, I think, since a, since the state elected a Democrat. Those were different kinds of Democrats then. Like They were much more conservative Democrats. So the entire Internet is on fire talking about how black women specifically and black people in general really carried this vote for the Democrats. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, that's right. Black voters came out and, and voted at nearly 2016 presidential levels. White rural voters didn't. One thing that did change, though, is per exit polling, Doug Jones also won 30 percent of white voters in Alabama. That's much higher than you saw in the 2012 election or the 2008 election or 2004. I see. So that's that's also a really high number for 30 percent of white people in Alabama to vote for a Democrat is like wildly unprecedented as well. Yes. Usually it's more like in the teens. I see. What lessons can we learn from this election that we might be able to apply to the 2018 midterms? This race was a very unique one. It involved a very controversial candidate who was very well known in the state. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't extrapolate too much from the specific results, but it is just the latest in a long series of indications that the Democrats are doing much better at the polls than they were a year ago. And and that that's in every special election this year. The swing has been toward Democrats, especially in places that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see it and in places that they haven't won Mm -hmm. so far. That bodes much better for them in places that are a little bit more of a toss up, like suburban areas in Florida or California or Virginia. I see. I see. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for being with us on this wild ride. Thank you. Get ready for some dystopian stuff, guys. Chinese authorities are using free physical exams to gather and store biological data from millions of people who live in the country's far west region, Xinjiang. This is according to Human Rights Watch, which obtained an official document from China. Xinjiang has become a testing ground for heavy-handed, high-tech surveillance measures by the government over the past year. China says the measures are necessary to combat extremist violence, but critics say they violate the basic privacy rights of millions of people, particularly the ethnic minorities that live in the area. Human Rights Watch said that it's not clear whether the people who take the physical exams realize their personal information is being recorded and stored. BuzzFeed News reporting found that the government has poured billions of renminbi into surveillance technology, from facial recognition cameras to iris scans. The 2018 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees were announced on Wednesday, and we're particularly excited about one of them. And I'm feeling good. That's Nina Simone. Singer-songwriter is known for her civil rights anthems like To Be Young, Gifted, and Black and Mississippi Goddamn as well as for jazz standards like Feeling Good. This is particularly exciting because there are so few black women in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If you want to go deep on Nina Simone, there's a great documentary about her life called What Happened, Miss Simone? that you can watch on Netflix. For more on the latest stories, download the BuzzFeed News app. And guess what, Googs? You can now find this briefing on Google Home, as well as the Amazon Echo, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us. But the rule is only if you like us.